You're listening to Flip This Risk, where it's time for a new conversation about risk management. From the boardroom all the way to the barbershop down the street, you can overcome fear of risk and thrive. Join your host, Dr. Karen Hardy, for candid conversations with industry leaders from across the globe. Dr. Karen brings her experience as an industry thought leader, best-selling author, and Apex Award winner to each episode. On the forefront of today's risk management strategies, helping leaders from small and large businesses overcome risk and feel confident in their choices. Let's start the show. I'm Dr. Karen Hardy, and welcome to Flip This Risk Podcast, where we interview high achievers about their relationship with risk-taking and how it influences their leadership abilities. You can check us out at flipthisriskpodcast.com for more information. And today, I'm very excited to have with me Candice Wright and Greta Goodwin, who's going to talk about, I think, a very fascinating area of risk, facial recognition technology. I know that the first thing you're probably thinking about is Tom Cruise and James Bond. So I'm gonna put some things into perspective in terms of why this risk is so important. Why is government uh, taking a leadership role in adopting this type of, 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 of risk and technology? And what, are, what does the future look like in terms of organizations um, trying to prioritize their risk and make this one of the high priorities within this organization? So Candace and Greta, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for having us. Absolutely. I saw the report briefly about what uh, you know, GAO put out on this facial recognition technology report. And I thought it was fascinating that you know, there's a, a suite of agencies actually tapping into this technology. So government is taking a leading role. And it's good to see that they're taking a leading role in this adoption of the technology. But in, in you know, the grand scheme of things, what exactly is facial recognition technology? Sure. Well, thank you for that question to get us started, Karen. So facial recognition is really a type of biometric technology. Uh, this is something that GAO has actually been looking at for several years. Our earlier work in this area has looked at its use by federal law enforcement, at ports of entry, and also in commercial settings. So when we talk about facial recognition in the context of our most recent report, what it's really looking at is technologies that can mimic how people identify or verify, or verify others such as by examining their faces. And it takes into account biological uh, characteristics. So skin color, you know, how far or wide your eyes might be set, but also behavioral characteristics as well, like fatigue or emotions. Well, you mentioned skin color and I couldn't help but start. The first thing came to my mind is diversity. So is diverse, diversity a component of this facial recognition technology now or in the future? Well, it certainly will be an, an important element um, because the way the technology works is that it uses a photo or it uses a still from a video feed of a person and it then converts that into a template that is actually a mathematical representation of the photo. And so a matching algorithm can then compare the template to another photo in order to calculate its similarity. So when you're talking about conducting facial recognition searches, one of the key things is whether or not that mathematical representation and the algorithms that support it will be able to identify if there is a match. 
And uh, you know, one of the things that's certainly been widely reported is that there can be some equity issues with regard mm -hmm. to how the accuracy of the technology and its ability to um, you know, have those um, accurate matches. Um, certainly, you know, um, groups like women of color have been mm -hmm. cited as an example where there are some challenges with the accuracy of the technology matching. Yeah, I can only imagine that long-term, that will be a discussion about in terms of ensuring this equity when it comes to actually using, using this technology. But it sounds so far reaching to me. It sounds like something, uh, a heavy lift, of course, and that's something that government can do. But can, is this something that we will find more being used in the private industry, any for, and even for small businesses and small companies? Certainly. So this technology has been around for quite some time. However, there have been a lot of recent technological advances that have um, strengthened the accuracy or improved the accuracy, I should say, of the matching. And so we're certainly seeing an expanded use um, in various sectors, both uh, government and commercial, um, you know, in terms of how the technology is being deployed um, to, to um, use it to identify or verify individuals. And actually, I'm going to pause here because I think Greta has um, probably a really good example just going back to some of the equity issues that we were talking about with regard to accuracy. She has some good examples from her recent work that she can point to um, on this issue. Greta, it's okay if I kick over to you? Absolutely. Thank you, Candace. So, so Karen, um, as Candace mentioned earlier, we have a number of reports on facial recognition technology. And in addition to the one we just issued on federal agencies use, we also issued one on law enforcement's use, federal law enforcement's use. And one of the main concerns that we that came out of that report and that we talk about quite a bit are concerns around accuracy and what it means when someone might be misidentified. So as you can imagine, there could be some very severe ad, adverse um, things that come up if you are misidentified um, in a facial mm -hmm. recognition search. And there's a number of there's a number of research out there that talks about the concerns around um, people of color, the concerns around women, the concerns around misidentifying someone even with a disability. So mm -hmm. if someone's misidentified, the inaccuracy of that can cause some, some, some pretty severe problems for them. Um, and we had a testimony back in July where one of the witnesses for that testimony was a gentleman who had indeed been misidentified by um, the technology and ended up spending you know, more than, you know, any time that he spent um, in jail was a problem, but the fact that, you know, the technology misidentified him and it took a while for, for that to get all sorted out. So inaccuracy is a major concern with, um, F, with the facial recognition technology that we're seeing. It's interesting, I started to think about identity theft. I see you have this gentleman mm -hmm. who's testifying and being, you know, uh, accused of something uh, of someone that he was not based on the, the technology itself. So apparently there's a lot of advantages to the technology, but of course there's always some disadvantages, some of the things you just pinpointed. What are some of the things uh, that we get this positive and in, in this an advantage of actually using this technology? It seems to be a sign of the times. Certainly. So, you know, I would say with regard to the technology, it has a wide range of purposes. And like with everything, there can be pros and cons, there are trade-offs, there are these different benefits. And I think one really good example um, that I can point to is, you know, with the work that we did looking at um, the 24 largest agencies and their use of the technology, we saw that a number of them were actually using it um, you know, quite extensively to facilitate access to unlocking smart devices. So whether that might be your smartphone or a tablet, 
you know, and I think for many people who struggle, like myself, with trying to remember passwords and, you know, different <laughs> logins, yes. you know, certainly <laughs> being able to use, um, you know, an image to recognize you to say, yes, this person is authorized to, you know, unlock a device, let's say, you know, that can certainly be a benefit. And I, you know, certainly know lots of people on their smartphones, you know, have that technology. And that's one of the ways in which federal agencies were using it, um, you know, to allow employees who have been provided these devices uh, to conduct their work um, at their agencies, you know, to be able to unlock it. We also saw instances where agencies like uh, Social Security Administration and mm -hmm. uh, the General Services Administration were also testing the technology as a way to allow people to gain access um, to log into various websites where they may need to, um, you know, get access to, um, you know, various agency services, let's say. And so this is something that we saw, uh, you know, with agencies testing the technology to see if they could use it as a way for, you know, the general public to be able to access access that government uh, agency's website. That's something that's still in testing, and they're mm -hmm. continuing to test and evaluate whether it will be deployed. Deployed. But again, you know, certainly another way um, that it is being used. And then I would also just highlight that there are agencies like the State Department, for example, who are using the technologies or using facial recognition technology systems, excuse me, as a way to uh, facilitate information um, gathering, um, you know, as um, to us to evaluate and consider, um, you know, applications for visas or for U.S. passports as well. So they may be able to look at that using using those systems to be able to determine, you know, whether or not somebody is, um, you know, um, legitimately applying for a visa, they are who they say they are, and be able to even maybe, you know, um, minimize the potential for fraudulent activity, especially by bad actors who might be seeking to get, you know, a U.S. visa or passport. Well, I can see how this can be used, FRT, if I may, can be used as a service that's offered by government to make the lives of citizens much better, much easier, and things like that. On the law enforcement side, Greta, what are you seeing in terms of how FRT is being used as a benefit for law enforcement, you know, uh, you know uh, separate from the incident that happened with the gentleman? Absolutely. So FRT is being used and has been really helpful in criminal investigations for law enforcement. You know, FRT is the accuracy is getting better. But, you know, as a general rule, it's been used and it's been very helpful with uh, criminal investigations. It's also been used um, to help for um, to help people manage their to help agencies manage their program requirements. For example, we ha we had a case in our report where um, the U.S. courts uh, was using it to help um, the relationship and help ensure that people were you know meeting with their probation or pretrial services and officers. They were doing it you know because it was COVID. It was just easier to use FRT to unlock you know the system so that they could have you know they could interact with. With the officers, or you know, get their pretrial or probation services that they needed. We also found was that there were also times where it was used for surveillance. Um, you know, if you have someone who you know looks suspicious and you kind of want to know like what's going on, you know, the the law enforcement were were using it for surveillance as well. And then um, during a couple two incidents. Um, around the time of the protest after the death of Mr. Floyd, um, the law enforcement agencies were using it if they saw someone who were you know, committing damage or something to the property. And so they were using FRT to, to help identify individuals then. And then after the January 6th attacks, there were um, tip lines and everything set up 
in case um, folks had uh, gotten images that they could put into a database so that law enforcement could help identify folks then as well. So how can the regular citizen, and maybe Candace, you can answer this question, how can a regular citizen feel that this is something being done for me rather than something that would be used against me? Well, that's a really interesting question and certainly a very good question, um, particularly as we think about the ways in which people are posting, you know, photos, for example, um, all over open source sites such as, you know, social media. And so there are certainly, you know, concerns by, um, you know, various members of Congress as well as advocacy groups, you know, about the ways in which this information might be collected and used. Again, I think there can be some, you know, benefits as we talked about earlier, but there is also, um, you know, the need to manage the risks of how the information information is being collected, how it's being stored, the purposes for which it's being used. And so I think this is something that we'll continue to explore, you know, in, in future work. So with the cyber attacks, you heard about the ransomware and all these other huge challenges in the technology area. Is cyber attacks, uh, of course, nothing's off the table when it comes to the risks associated with using any type of technology. What do you think the most vulnerable area for the uh, FRT, facial, uh, uh, facial recognition technology is, or, or could, be, could be in the future. Well, we didn't, uh, for the work that we just recently completed, we didn't look at it specifically in the context of cybersecurity risk. But I can say, you know, as, as Greta and I have talked about, you know, um, there's a need to make sure that uh, the way in which the system is being used is consistent with the authorities that the agencies have, um, as well as just to ensure, you know, the, this, these issues around accuracy as well. Right, making sure that the algorithms are going to have, you know, um, accurate matching capabilities uh, to try to minimize, or you know, if not avoid, then at least certainly minimize the potential for misidentification. And then there's also certainly the need to be mindful of, um, you know, what are the, the redress procedures, if you will, if somebody is misidentified. And I think, you know, th those will be some of the kinds of things that we'll continue to look at um, as we explore the, the use of the technology by federal mm -hmm. agencies. Is this, is this an ethics council or a governing body around this uh, technology as you begin to grow it and expand over time that you and both Greta and Candace are involved in or even envision? I'm not aware of um, an existing government body. That's not to say that one doesn't exist. I'm just not aware of that, um, you know, based on what we found in our work. Um, mm -hmm. But certainly I think there is a continuing, um, you know, desire to understand how agencies are using the technology. Uh, is it consistent with their authorities? Is it consistent with the values that we have as a country, right? Mm -hmm. And then also just sort of thinking through, you know, what might be the benefits of using it, but where might be some of the risks? And then how do, how do you try to manage some of those risks. And I'm yep. assuming there'll be external partnerships, right, Greta? Go ahead with, with your thoughts. Yeah, there, there will be. And, and I will also just like to add that there are a couple of laws that kind of govern um, some of this. There's the uh, Privacy Act. And mm -hmm. so there the Privacy Information Assessment, otherwise known as the PIAs, and mm -hmm. the Systems of Record Notice, otherwise known as the SORN. And so the PIAs, the Privacy Impact Assessments, the PIAs, are basically, they help explain, you know, federal agencies have to submit this information and where they explain kind of the uses of, you know, how they're going to handle this information, what private, how they're going to maintain the privacy around that. Um, and then for the SORNs and systems of record notice, anytime there's a change to the technology, the agencies have to submit that to make that public. That also helps explain how that technology is going to be used. When we did the law enforcement FRT work, 
Um, we looked at um, government, federal agencies, FRTs, and as well as private FRT systems. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we found that, you know, for the, the private, the, the private agencies that have FRT aren't really bound by the PIAs and the SORNs, the Privacy Act and the, and the E-Government Act. So those have been a bit of a challenge. So I would imagine that there will be some councils or there's, there are a lot of people, you know, aside from GAO who are thinking about ways to kind of manage and mitigate those risks. So is this something that's growing out, growing outside of government as well? Private industry is involved in this technology as well. Is government just, as you said before, Candace, is, this has been out for some time. Are there more players involved in this uh, technology, technological uh, development? Well, we certainly know that it's being used across government and commercial sectors. And, you know, I'll just highlight that, um, you know, in the work that we recently conducted, um, you know, we certainly saw where agencies were actually using databases of commercially owned facial recognition systems. And so you, you have uh, companies who are amassing, uh, you know, images of, of people um, that then they may, you know, provide or make available to federal agencies uh, to use in, in the conduct of their work. Awesome. So what's the message to two people? One, what's the message, if you have one message to give to regular everyday folks about F, uh, you know, facial recognition technology, what would it be? And then what would your simple message be to leaders of organizations who need to think about this type of technology and the risk that they manage? Well, I think for the everyday person, you know, it, it's important that they recognize that this technology is being used and it is, it is being used in a variety of different ways. I think that's really important and it should really inform the ways in which people share in, images um, you know, through photos, example, on social media should really inform, uh, you know, how they're thinking about how those images are being stored um, or being uh, shared, I should say, because then, you know, they could be collected and uh, used in various ways. And so I think that that's really important, regardless of whether we're talking about facial recognition technologies, which right. is people should be mindful of regardless. And then I think for, you know, federal agencies, you know, I'll just note here that GAO has extensive work, you know, where we um, see that the federal federal agencies can encounter a variety of risks in, in executing and conducting their um, programs and operations. Um, you know, so whether that's fraud, waste and abuse, whether it's inefficiencies, whether it's mismanagement. And so those things really need to be at the forefront of agencies' minds as they're thinking about um, either adopting this technology or, or expanding the use of the technology, really focusing on, you know, what's the intended purpose who can access this, this information, what safeguards need to be in place around how it's uh, shared, um, how it's accessed. I think those are really important things. How long are these images stored for? How are they disposed of? These are some really important things that federal agencies will need to consider as they um, you know, further examine use of the technology. And I would say that it's also equally important to think about issues around public trust and whether the technology is being used, you know, in a manner consistent with, with our values, uh, thinking about the legality of it, the issues of equity and those sorts of things. So public trust, Greta, the first thing I think about is law enforcement and how mm -hmm. you have to bring social advocates to the table. Is that what you're seeing happen or something that we'll, we will be seeing? We see, we see that there is an appetite for that. So I would imagine that that will be happening soon or, you know, soon to come. Um, and another thing I will just add uh, the candidates have said completely agree with everything. Um, the technology doesn't seem to be going away. 
and it's, mm-hmm. and its use is only getting stronger. Its capabilities are only getting stronger. And so one of the things that we talk about in the, fed, in the law enforcement FRT report is that if law enforcement agencies are gonna to continue to use this technology, and we think that they are, then it's gonna be really important that they ensure that the appropriate protections are in place around accuracy and also around privacy. Excellent, that's good information for people to understand and to know because everyone is not comfortable with technology and to think, of, to think that it's getting more personal in terms of facial recognition, as I said before, you know, we've seen the movies with Tom Cruise and James Bond, and now it's here. It's a reality for all of us, and we need to understand the technology and how it could be a benefit, both benefit us and to help mitigate certain types of risk out there that uh, to protect us. On any last-minute thoughts that you want to add to our audience, especially uh, where they can get additional information. Well, we certainly have uh, quite a number of reports on our website at gao.gov. So I would encourage people if they're interested in learning more about the use of the technology, especially um, as part of federal programs and operations, certainly to take a look there. And again, you know, I just can't um, underscore enough what Greta said, the technology is here to stay. It will only continue to advance, you know, build on the advancements that we've seen over the years. So really will be important for us to continue, you know, uh, collectively as a society to make sure we have a good understanding of the ways in which that is being used and also the potential for misuse. Um, certainly the mm-hmm. recent work that we did um, gave a comprehensive look. It gave a comprehensive lay of the land about how agencies are using the technology. We looked at 24 agencies. We surveyed 24 agencies and got some really rich information. And I think, you know, by looking at the reports, people will get a sense of the range of ways in which agencies are using it. But also, too, as I mentioned, really just being mindful, you know, for federal leaders, um, you know, to, to really think about, you know, the ways in which the technology is being used and how to mitigate some of those risks that we've talked about. Absolutely. Even with the small businesses outside of government, I like the fact that it's a, a technology that can be used across different industries and that there's a, a long tail when it comes to best practices and, and learn lessons to be learned across these different agencies and uh, companies to get on board with this. So listen, Greta and Candace, I want to thank you for being a guest on Flip This Risk podcast today. And I want to thank my entire audience and followers for watching and listening today. And I'm Dr. Karen Hardy. We'll catch you next time. Helping you feel secure is our strategy. All the way from the boardroom to the barbershop down the street. Subscribe at flipthisriskpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.